Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the European markets by my colleague, Dr. Petra Puskarova, our European Energy Risk Manager. Now, Petra, we've touched on this before, but gas and gas maintenance at this time of year can have a profound impact on the market, can't it? Um, what, what's the situation in Europe on gas storage and gas maintenance? Good morning, Jeremy. Yes, gas storage is increasing in line with expectations. Recent maintenance, especially on Russian pipeline Nord Stream 1 and Opel, of course, had some impact on gas in Europe. We can say that gas system did deal with this maintenance fairly comfortably. We did see gas prices continuing to trade at elevated levels but they didn't breach the previous peaks. Although we were looking at heavier maintenance, we do currently see European gas storages at around 55% covered. This is, of course, lower comparing to 2020 and 2019, but we do know that those years were quite exceptional. And if we were to scroll a little bit further out, then we are currently somewhere around 85% of cover if we were to look on a five years average and around 95% covered if we were to look at the 10-year average. If we also were to look at some differences in between of different countries in Europe, so we know that the German gas storage is one of the biggest and, of course, most important. That one currently stands at 48%, slightly lower comparing to France, which is the second most important gas storage facility. And this difference is mainly coming from the fact that France is the biggest LNG importer, and due to some long-term agreements with Nigeria, they did benefited from these longer-term agreements, and they benefited from continuity in LNG deliveries. Right. Some people looking at this market and thinking, is it a problem that one country has less or one country has more? That really depends on the relative dependence on gas in those states and the ability to transfer gas between them, which has improved in recent years, hasn't it? You know, the security of the European system and the ability to move gas around is a lot more flexible now than it was, I think. Of course, it is dependence on LNG market in Europe is picking up and it's getting stronger and stronger. And of course, we are looking at last finishing touches on Nord Stream 2 pipeline that would deliver more gas uh, directly into Germany. As you mentioned, some countries are more gas reliant than the other. So, for example, in Germany, it's nearly 50% of the generation that comes from the gas, comparing to France when it's only 15% of the generation. Indeed. And uh, of course, in all member states, the reliance on renewables is growing, which is a good thing from the point of view of carbon reduction and climate change. But that, of course, depends very much on the availability of wind. And uh, in solar, of course, it's, it's highly seasonal. And, uh, you know, we've been reminded by recent events, both in Europe and further afield, about the importance of weather and how that can affect renewable production, indeed availability of energy supplies generally. So what's the situation looking like there, not just in Europe, but in America? Longer term, especially in Europe, we are looking at a year that has particularly low wind yields. So since uh, Q1 this year, we have not uh, had that much wind generation as we, for example, had in 2020. Of course, very recent flooding in Europe caused some disturbing in terms of supply, especially in Germany. So both renewable and conventional sources were impacted. Some coal plants were offline for a period of time, but also some 
hydro supply has been offline. If we want to speak a little bit about the impact of the extreme weather condition to on supply in terms of electricity, we can also pick up a little bit on the recent development in California, just because we know that California is very strong about their green generation. At the moment, the very strong heat wave is again triggering some risks around blackouts. We did see this occurring last year when California, due to very low wind generation due to heat waves and impacted solar generation due to the dust covering all their photovoltaic plants, fell into blackout. This is Look, going to repeat again this year. For example, if we were to link these issues to gas generation, California, although they have a very green, a very strong green agenda, they admitted that gas to power generation will have to remain in place to guarantee the power security. And this is something that analysts have been pointing towards in Germany too. Well, I think that's a very important point to register. Part of the security supply in Europe comes from having a diverse range of renewables as well as uh, fossil fuels, and that helps reduce the risk of any particular weather event uh, having a severe impact on the market. But as you say, there are going to be periods of low wind uh, in particular and occasionally reduced solar output where you're going to need something else to plug the gap, and if not gas, then what else? And uh, I guess uh, the important thing is that the gas capacity is there even if we're using it less. And so, you know, the, your comments about the importance of the gas market, that's, that's going to remain important for decades to come, isn't it? The energy mix may change, but gas is going to carry on, even if we're using less of it overall, I think. Gas is likely to continue having a very strong presence in Europe and also globally, just because various countries are at the moment pointing that the green generation is potentially getting slightly ahead of itself and it's not as predictable as, for example, physical gas pipelines into Europe and gas or coal power generation. Indeed. And I think sometimes those on the, you know, the more extreme wing of the green movement seem to regard gas as a problem, whereas in fact, at least in the interim, it's part of what's allowing us to accommodate so much intermittent renewables on, on the system, even if we're going to need a, a longer term alternative to it or carbon capture and storage to reduce its emissions. And turning now to the other secure alternative, but a much higher carbon one, the highest carbon one of the lot, coal. If not gas, then coal. And of course, there's an awful lot of coal still on the European system and in some member states they remain heavily dependent on it. So what is the situation with coal demand at the moment? Comparing to 2020 we are seeing a lot more coal being burnt in Europe but also in the states based on the discussion we just had at the moment ago. Of course 2020 again was an exceptional year. The demand was very low, wind generation was high and there was no need to burn coal. Of course this year lower wind generation depleted gas storage facilities and higher gas prices that are putting gas to power generation plants at disadvantage. So, of course, power generators are also turning to coal. Uh, if we were to pick up on one of the biggest power producers in Germany, their lignite fire power generation actually jumped 50% comparing to last year, if we consider first six months of 2021 for the comparison. 
I think that's a really interesting feature of the market that uh, one might think, and we are indeed on the way towards a transition away from fossil fuels generally and coal in particular, but in the short term there are going to be periods where we're still quite dependent on it in Europe and that's not going to change immediately. Another aspect to this of course is that again is Russia. We hear less about it because the ability to constrain coal supplies to Europe has never been regarded as much as risk as pipeline gas supplies. But of course, you know, supply from Russia coming into Europe is important too. It's an important producer of coal as well as oil and gas, isn't it? It is. And one of the reasons also why we are looking at elevated coal prices is that we were having a higher demand for coal globally. So Europe, because of the lower gas stocks and uh, higher gas prices. Of course, we do know that Chinese imports are currently very strong because they've put a ban on Australian coal exports. So at the moment, Russian exports were one of the most important in the market, I would say. The only issue was that we were looking at a short-term interruption in terms of Russian supply. There has been a collapse on the bridge on one of their main rail routes that is used to deliver coal to ports. So that was one of the other supporting factors in terms of coal pricing and one of the factors that also helped to push coal prices to around $130 per tonne. Well, thank you, Petra. That's been very interesting. And, uh, you know, we don't tend to concentrate on coal so much during these discussions. And perhaps we should do a bit. Uh, it may not be the long-term future, but it's it's a big part of the way the markets operate at the moment. And, and a reminder that events internationally can, can affect the uh, price of those commodities as well. I hope you found that interesting too. Do look out for our next podcast. We hope you're able to join us for that. And if you'd like to have a look at our website and have a look at any of the reports on there, it's alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And we hope you listen to us again soon.